Well, I'm excited to be back home today. There you go, brother. I believe this morning we're in the presence of the Lord. I feel the Spirit of God here this morning. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And I believe that God is here today to set many of you free from the bonds of sin. I believe that God wants to open the eyes of some Christians here this morning to help them understand God's plan better for their life and how to better embrace that plan. Uh, generally now, we dismiss our children's church. But last week, I think it may have something to do with the changing of the temperatures. But our kids were very, very unruly. And Pastor Tom said, if you all won't settle down, we won't have children's church next week. And so, sure enough, they're here this morning. They wouldn't settle down. I said, wait a minute, Pastor, are you telling me that those kids happen to hear me preach is torture? <laughs> kids will be kids, and we need to love our children, love our kids, and uh, show them the love of God in everything we do. Uh, but I do want to just uh, ask our parents to be parents too. Kids will be kids. Uh, if we could just get parents to be parents, it would save us a lot of trouble. We have had some vandalism over the last couple of weeks in our bathrooms, uh, here on the church facilities. We've had a couple of things take place in the last month. And so I just want to ask our parents to be conscious of your kids, uh, where they're at. It's happening during service, so it's obviously somebody here. Um, and I just want to announce that to our parents. I want to ask you to keep a little closer rein on your kids. Having said that, I have a very positive and encouraging message this morning that God has given me uh, for our church. And it's found in the book of 1 Peter. If you will turn there in chapter 4, if you're not familiar, uh, they're small books and they are close to the book of Revelation. If you turn to Revelation and work your way backwards, you will probably find it much faster. 1 Peter in chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 is our text this morning. If you have found that, or even if you haven't, would you stand one more time, please, in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because He who has suffered in His body is done with sin. As a result, he who does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will give account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Father, I come to You this morning and I thank You, Lord. God, for the privilege to be here in Your house with Your people. And Father, we acknowledge this morning that God, we need You to move. Lord, You are the one who spoke. 
and into nothing something was made. You are the one, Father, who told the mountains to be lifted up and they listened to you. You are the one who told the stars to go this far and stay there and they listened to your command. You are the one, Father, who told the valleys to be laid down low. You are the one, Lord, who told the seas this is where you will stop. You, Lord, are the great I Am, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But I, Father, am just a man amongst billions of other men. And God, this morning, I need You to empty me, Father, of anything in me that would hinder Your work. And I need You to fill me with Your Spirit to preach Your Word in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. Father, I pray this morning that if there be anything here this morning that would stop Your work, that right now You would abolish it, Lord, that You would stop any plan of the enemy, Father, that would take away and our direction and our vision this morning. And I pray that You would save the lost, Lord. I pray that You would open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf and give understanding to the heart that has none this morning. And above all things, Lord, I'm asking that You, God, would be glorified, that Your name would be lifted up, and that we would point to You and You alone as the source of every good thing and the only source of salvation. Father, we promise to give You and You alone the praise, glory, and honor for what You have done so far this morning and what You're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter is talking in 1 Peter chapter 4 about leaving the old things behind. Peter is talking about moving past the old lifestyle and only looking towards the future and God's will and God's plan for the life of the Christian. We as a church are soon over the next several months to move into another chapter of this ministry where we really as a people begin to be vocal about our faith begin to be active about reaching the lost in our workplace, in our schools, in whatever the world is that God has placed us in. And in order for us as a church to be a people who win the lost and who do the will of God and who build the kingdom of God, we must first understand a principle that the Apostle Peter is trying to teach us in the book of First Peter in chapter 4 about leaving the old things behind and moving forward only for the will of God. When we as God's people do not leave the old things behind, but rather cling to them, when we do not totally separate ourselves from the old world of sin and from the old way of life, but rather try to straddle the fence, we stifle ourselves and make it unable uh, for us to reach the world that God has placed us in. And it is my personal belief that one of the biggest reasons that the church does not do a good job actually evangelizing the lost, reaching out to those that need help, feeding those who need fed, clothing those who need clothes, and doing the work of God concerning building the kingdom of God is because we have never totally separated ourselves from the old way of life. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. 
He says, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me and I press forward towards the goal to win the prize. Therefore, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, there is a race that's marked out for us. And there is a race that's marked out for each and every one of you here this morning under the sound of my voice that is a born-again believer of God. He has a will for your life to use you for the furtherance of, of building His kingdom. And when we as a people do not separate ourselves from the past, but rather try to hold on to it, it steals our vision. He said, I forget what is behind and look forward to what is ahead of me and I run the race that God has put before me. When we hold on to what's behind instead of separating ourselves from it, it steals our vision. We don't know the race that we're supposed to be running. We don't have any direction in life concerning the will of God in our life. So one of the reasons that we must separate ourselves is because it will steal our vision. The Apostle Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, he says that let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us or hinders us. When we do not separate ourselves from every evil thing, everything that represents the old world of slavery, the old world of Egypt, if you will, if we do not separate ourselves from everything and come out and be a people who are a separate people, it hinders us from running the race. So if we as a people, and listen this morning, if you personally, as a member of the body of Christ which each and every one of you who is a born-again believer, you are a member of the body of Christ, and the body cannot function the way it needs to function if every member is not doing its part. You cannot do your part as a member of the body of Christ if you are not totally separated from the things that hold you back. Does this make sense? Amen. This is what Peter is alluding to in 1 Peter chapter 4. And what I want to do this morning, I believe this is going to be a very encouraging message, and I believe it's going to be enlightening for many of you, but I'm going to ask that you would do your best to stay with me. Why was Peter the one that told us this? Paul also alluded to it, but why in Peter, in his last few uh, scriptures that he pinned down, why would he tell us? to let go of the past and move forward. And I'm going to answer that this morning as we look at the life of Peter. In Matthew chapter 4, we find the account of when Peter first meets Jesus. And I'm going to turn there and read that to you. If you remember, they were fishing. Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus happens to come his way. And in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once, listen to this, they left their nets and followed him. Jesus told Peter 
that He was going to change Peter's direction in life. He said, Peter, you have been a fisherman. This is your profession. This is what you do. But I will make something else out of you. Follow me. And Peter left his net and he followed the Lord. Can I tell you that when God calls us, He calls us to leave everything behind. I will clarify that in a moment. But what did He tell that rich young ruler? He said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, then you will inherit the kingdom of God. It wasn't the riches that Jesus wanted, it was the man. And he was unwilling to give what was most important to him to the Lord. It wasn't that he was rich, but it's that he could not handle the riches. Jesus said, if one's not willing to leave his father and his mother, he's not willing, uh, he is not worthy of me. He said, if any man uh, wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We see that Jesus calls us to leave everything behind. Now that doesn't necessarily mean, my friends, that God is saying all of us need to sell all of our homes and live homeless. But the point is this. He wants us to trust Him for everything we need. He must be first and foremost. And when those things in our life are our security, instead of the One who alone should take care of us, they become a stumbling block, which is why He says you must leave them to show that you trust Me. Amen. And so he said, he called Peter to leave everything and to follow him. And Peter leaves and follows him. The fact that we are called to leave everything and follow the Lord, Peter is in one way or another alluding to in the passage I read to you out of 1 Peter. But I want to show you some things about Peter's life from here until he really begins to preach. And I hope that it's encouraging you to you to see the patience of God with Peter. God calls Peter to leave everything, but we find that not too long after, in Luke and chapter 5, Peter is right where God told Peter to get out of that boat, and he's back in it fishing again. Only this time... After the Lord has said, Peter, I will make you fishers of men. Peter's still being a fisher of fish. Only this time, Luke chapter 5, if you remember the story, Peter can't catch any fish. You see, the Lord was trying to teach Peter something. What do you do when what you used to do doesn't work anymore? What do you do, my friend, when... The bottle doesn't drown away your sorrows anymore and only intensifies the problems in your life. What do you do, ma'am, when that gossip phone that you call on and used to talk to your friends, it doesn't make you feel any better when you hang it up? What do you do, sir, when that six-figure income no longer provides the significance and meaning in your life that it did when you first found it? Jesus was teaching Peter that, Peter, you need to trust me for everything that I've called you to do. And so Peter is fishing, and there are no fish there. 
And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, go ahead and throw that net over again. And Peter says, well, Lord, we've been here all night. There are no fish. Nonetheless, I will do what you say. And he throws the net overboard. And the Bible says that there was so many fish, he could not bring them up into the boat. Jesus gently tells Peter the same thing that he told him before. Follow me. This is not the last time that Jesus will say this to Peter. I thank God this morning for the patience of God. I thank God for second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. And I hope that as we look at the life of Peter, that we'll be critical of our own lives and quit being so critical of everybody else. I hope this morning as we look at the life of Peter, We will see ourselves in these pages of Scripture where we as a people are so bent towards doubt and not believing God that we want to hang on to that security in the past where we have control. But we will see that God loves us the same. And even when we, as the Apostle Paul told Timothy, when we are faithless, He remains faithful. He's teaching Peter. Jesus knew it was going to take about three years to prepare Peter for what Peter was called to do. And so he started mighty early. And Peter continued to have these phases in his life as many of us do. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 that when they pulled in all of that fish that they were afraid. And Peter said, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. And then they went and the Bible says they left again. They left everything, everything behind. Again. You will find these periods in Peter's life where like he, it just revealed to him the power of God and that faith rises up in him. And he says, I'm going to go with the Lord and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. But you'll read a few pages later and you will again see Peter in the same place back in that boat fishing. His life represents so many of us where we'll have these times that that the faith just rises up in us and we believe and we want to walk for God and we want to do what He's called us to do and we know that, God, You will accomplish this thing in me. But something continues to happen where we step back and we find ourselves back in that boat fishing and praying that things will eventually change. Such was the life of Peter. Luke chapter 5. They left everything. But we find that not too long later, they returned to the boat. This boat continued to get Peter in trouble. It was in the boat that Peter came down and insulted his Lord. You remember the story. Jesus was down there sleeping and the waves were crashing. The Bible says they were contrary. The waves were crashing. And what do the disciples do? They run down and they insult the Lord and say, Carest thou not that we die? Peter, when are you going to get out of that boat and realize it only gets you in trouble? You sure say a lot of dumb things in that boat, Peter. It was in the boat that Peter accused the Lord of not caring about them. And it was later in the boat 
that they found themselves again in a storm that made them fearful for their lives. I don't know about you, but I haven't spent a lot of time on a boat. About the deepest waves that we'll see here are about some six inches when Cheney Lake is in the middle of a storm. But that was not the case with the life of Peter. He was a fisherman who spent his life on the boat. And friends, for him to fear for his life tells us that the storms were raging. And I want to suggest to you the same way I did in the book of Jonah, that God at times brings storms on our life to remind us of what He said and to remind us that He alone is our source of strength, that He alone is all we need to hope in, that He alone is everything we need for life. And so he's, so he's in this boat again and he finds himself in a storm. And here comes Jesus walking on the water reminding Peter, Peter, I don't need a boat. Peter, I told you to follow me. And Peter says to the Lord, you've told me to follow you, Lord, one more time. Tell me and I will get out there with you. And Jesus again says, Peter, get out of that boat and follow me. That boat symbolizes in Peter's life that thing that he had control over. It is that area that has become so easy to live in that when living by faith becomes hard, you resort back to the place of security. Things were about to get bad in Peter's life. I want to take a break from the boat and you will see. We will return to it. Jesus is about to die. If you want to turn to Luke 22, we'll be here a while. Jesus knows that His time is almost up and that the day of His crucifixion was nearing. And so He sits down with His disciples and He tells them, That he is about to be betrayed. This is the first time that he actually, the same uh, period of time, same location. This is the same time where the first time Jesus broke the bread with the disciples and, and the wine with them and said, this is my body and this is my blood. And then he told them, one of you will betray me. Friends, things were about to get bad in Peter's life. Peter says, who is it? The Bible tells us that Peter stood up and said, I will never betray you. But in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, I want to read to you something. Jesus speaking to Simon Peter says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith fail thee not. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He said, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. Brothers and sisters, 
We may talk about this, but we have a very, very weak understanding of it in America because honestly, there is very little in the average church going on for God. But when God's people are used by God and when God's people are building the kingdom, know this, Satan has his eye on you. Satan had his eye on Peter and Peter had not even really been out preaching the Gospel yet. And the Bible says that Satan asked permission to sift Peter. Amazing thing, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Thank God that Jesus prays for me. Why do I need Jesus to pray for me? Because He knows everything about me. He knows everything that I will go through. You, my friend, don't know what I will face tomorrow, and neither do I. But the One who knows all things does. And thank God that He's praying for you and I. Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee. It's amazing that Jesus didn't pray for what I would have prayed for. If I was Jesus, I would have waited for the request and I would have said, nope, Satan, you can't sift him. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't even pray that Peter wouldn't deny him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was setting Peter up for the day that Peter would have his last day on the boat. He said, Peter, I really don't pray that you won't deny me. And I don't even pray that you won't be sifted. But I pray that your faith fail thee not. I pray that even through the temptation, Peter, and through the fear, and through the struggles, you will be strong and your faith fail thee not. And then the Bible says, I want to read it to you. This is what Jesus says to Peter. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He did not say, Peter, if you make it through it. And Peter, if you turn back to following me, and if you do this thing, then strengthen your brothers. But he said, Peter, when you turn back. Thank God for the when when we're being sifted. I don't know about you, but I've been through periods in my life where I was being sifted and I felt like everything was going to cave in and I felt like the world around me was going to destroy me and I was begging God, Lord, when is when? When will I turn back? When will the sifting stop? When will the pain go away? When will I be strong again? Just thank God that He said when. Because it was coming. But things got bad for Peter. The Lord was taken and stolen away. And you remember something about Peter. Peter watched his Lord be beat beyond recognition. He watched people spit on the face of his Lord. It plucked the hair away from his face and hit him across the head blindfolded and shoved a crown of thorns on his head. Friends of mine, Peter was a fighting man. 
The Bible tells us that Peter even took a sword and cut the ear off of one of the soldiers. I want you to picture it with me because there was only four people in the garden. Jesus and three of his disciples and an army of armed soldiers comes to take Jesus. Peter says, I don't care if there's a hundred of you or not. Somebody give me a sword. And he goes and he begins to swipe and to cut. He was a fighter. And for him to watch his Lord go through the pain, the suffering, it was not easy for Peter. And it was not what Peter had thought would take place. Brothers and sisters, what do you do when what you thought was going to happen does not happen? What do you do when what you thought God was going to do isn't what God ends up doing? Peter's being sifted. Peter said, I would never deny you, Lord. I would die before I deny you. Less than 24 hours later, Peter denies three times. Can I tell you that Peter was in a desperate situation? Peter was so guilty because he had denied the Lord. Peter was so guilty. Have you ever been at that place where nothing but confusion seizes you? And you can't understand why you would do this thing. And you can't understand how you could get to a point where you would do something you never would have done before. And you don't even make sense to yourself. And life doesn't make sense. And what you thought God was going to do, God doesn't do. And all of a sudden, your faith is beginning to fail you. Jesus knew what He needed to pray for Peter. It wasn't that He wouldn't deny him. It wasn't that Peter, that Satan wouldn't sift him. But it was that his faith would fail him not. And Peter is struggling in his mind with how could I deny the Lord? How could I do this thing that I never thought I would do in my wildest imaginations? How could I walk away? from the call of God on my life? How could I say that He is not Lord after all that I've seen Him do? How could I not surrender all that I am to the One who gave His life for me? It got bad in Peter's life. It got hard in Peter's life. Peter was sifted. Jesus dies. And He's buried. The Bible tells us that the disciples were hiding in fear. I don't know about you, but I'd be fearful too. I've learned over the last several years of my ministry, thank God, to quit pointing fingers at all the people in the Bible who failed God. Because they're men and women just like you and I. The amazing thing is how God continues to be faithful. And how God takes them through circumstances and teaches them and continues to use them. Jesus rises from the grave. And you remember the tomb is empty. You remember that first the women go to the tomb and they come back and they tell Peter and they tell uh, John and the rest of the disciples that Jesus is not there and Peter and John run and do they see Jesus? No. But they do see an empty tomb. And John tells us that even then they did not understand what he meant that destroy the temple and in three days I will build it up again. And they are hiding for fear 
And Jesus, a few days later, after His resurrection, you remember He told Mary, don't touch Me yet, I have not gone to the Father yet. A few days later, they're inside of the house that they are in, hiding in fear, and Jesus just walks in the door, right through the wall, and shows them that He has risen from the grave. Shows them that He is the risen Lord. And they tell Thomas, Thomas was not there, and Thomas said, unless I see with my own eyes, I will not believe. Eight days later, Jesus shows up again into the same house and shows Thomas His scars. And Thomas says, I believe. And Jesus says, blessed art thou because you, uh, you have seen and believed, but even blessed more are those who have not seen and believed. That's the second time that Jesus appeared to them. Adam last week preached a beautiful message which I had the privilege to listen to about missions and about His final words to His disciples. Those words that you heard preached last week, the Great Commission, have not yet been spoken. And I'm going to close today with the third time that Jesus appears to His disciples. This will be the last time that we will see Peter in the boat. And I want to share with you that even though Jesus had risen from the grave, Thomas's his sense of being, his sense of, of, of being right with God, his sense of purpose and drive and calling was still rocked at its core. And he was still ashamed, probably even all the more so, that he denied the Lord that had risen from the grave. And how do I know? Because guess where He is? He's not out preaching that He's risen from the grave. He's fishing. Again. In His boat. I'm going to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Peter is again in the boat. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Not the first time Peter's been here, has it? He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. What was Jesus doing with Peter again? He was showing that, Peter, I am the one who has control over all things. I asked you early, what do you do when what you used to do doesn't work anymore? There are times in our lives when God purposely takes us through a famine so that we will remember who He is and look to Him and Him alone as the source of everything that we need. 
Why is Peter back in this boat? You see, it is human nature to look to the past. Do you remember when the children of Israel, uh, finally Pharaoh said, you may go. And the people go and they get all the way to the river, or to the sea, excuse me, and they're standing at the Red Sea and all of a sudden they hear Pharaoh's army. And what do they say? They say, we wish we were back in Egypt. We wish we were back as slaves. And then God parts the Red Sea and they march across on dry land. And what does God do? He brings them into a famine. They have not done anything wrong at this time. God is not punishing them. But they find themselves without food. Why? Because God was trying to teach them that He is all they need. But what did they say? Moses, did you bring us out here to starve to death? We wish we were back in Egypt. And then God feeds them and they're thirsty. And they say, are we going to die of thirst? And they look back to Egypt. Why is it human nature to look back to the past? Why is it human nature to straddle the fence? Why is it human nature not to walk in faith and trust God with everything He's called us to do? Because we have control back there, that's why. Because at least back there, I don't have to live by faith. I don't have to trust that everything is going to fall in place. And back there, I might be a slave and life might not be fun and things might be painful. But at least I know every day of my life what's going to come my way. That's why we look back to Egypt. And God says, children, I just want you to trust me. He said, Peter, I told you I would make you a fisher of men. I told you, didn't I? Will I not accomplish that which I told you I would accomplish? What is the thing in your life this morning that you're holding on to that's keeping you from being set free to follow God and do what God told you to do? What is that thing in your life that you have control over that you always resort back to when things get hard and when things get tough? Peter finds himself there, but look, this is the last time. Look what Peter does. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that being John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Peter said, This is the last time I'm going to waste any more time on this boat. He said, I'm not even waiting for it to get to shore, but I'm going to jump out of this thing and I'm going to go to the Lord and I'm going to do what He's called me to do. And finally, Jesus says to Peter, those words Peter was waiting to hear after he had denied the Lord. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He says, then feed my sheep. And three times they do this. And Jesus was teaching Peter and telling Peter, I told you I would make you fishers of men. Get out of that boat and do what I've asked you to do 50 times or more throughout the Bible from this moment forward we read about Peter 50 more times and never once is he in a boat never once is he fishing but instead you know what he's doing 
He's walking down the streets and people are bringing out people on cots to be healed when his shadow simply touches them. He's walking up to people at the temple and saying, silver or gold have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he's healing the sick. He's preaching to 3,000. He's seeing thousands baptized. And he's spreading the Word of God. And he's feeding the sheep because he finally said, I will get out of the boat. Today, my friends, Can I tell you that whatever it is that God's calling you to do in His kingdom, you're going to have to get out of the boat. What are you still doing in that boat? Running around with all of the Johnny-come-latelys that have no vision, no direction, couldn't care less where you're going to go with your life, couldn't care less where you're going to be in ten years, couldn't care less if God's pleased with what you do every day. What are you still doing in that boat, dabbling around with sin from the past? Trying to get away with things in secret? Friend, it's time to trust God. It's time to say, God, if you've called me to do this thing, you're going to bring it to pass, and I'm ready to get out of the boat. God changed Peter's life from that moment forward. And this morning, He'll do the same for you. There is nothing... There is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. The Bible says He is able to do above and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. The Bible says that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Today is the day of salvation. We serve the same God. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that it's time for many of us here at Crossway Church to say, Lord, whatever it means, whatever it takes, even though I may be afraid, I'm going to get out of my boat and I'm going to do what You've called me to do and I'm going to separate myself from the past and I'm going to serve You with all of my heart, all that I am. And brothers and sisters, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God, when we as God's people will embrace His call for our lives and we will get out of that boat. We will see a move of God like we've never seen before. We will see our own Red Sea experience. I don't know what it will look like. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I can tell you, one of the biggest keys to seeing it happen is each and every one of us as a member of the body getting out of that boat. What is your boat this morning? I want to ask our worship team to come at this time. What is your vote this morning? The first step, my friend, is being saved. You know, the Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. If the only thing that it takes to be saved is believing in God, then how come the demons and the devil himself have had a hell prepared for them? Faith without works is dead. You have a faith this morning that doesn't produce any type of works of Christianity and faithfulness to God. Faith is dead. That's not what Pastor Joplin's saying. That's a quote from the Word of God. Are you saved this morning? Today is the day of salvation. Brothers and sisters, I can promise you, there is no greater life than you will ever find in the One who created it. And you're not here this morning by accident. God has a plan for you. Christian brother or sister this morning, this message was particularly for you. Because God wants to see you liberated from the chains that hold you back. God wants to see you step out of that boat and live in faith. 
It's not always easy, but what else can we do to show God that we love Him but live by faith? What else can I give God that He does not have? Nothing. But when I trust Him and I believe Him and I live by His Word, it is how I show Him I love Him. I thank God that He calls us to live by faith. He wants to use you for His kingdom. You are part of the body. Get out of the boat this morning. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You, God, are the great I Am. We thank You, Lord. God, for Your patience, Lord. We thank You, God, for people like Peter who we can look and see that over years of his life, You were patient with him and You were teaching him. But God, there eventually came a day when it was time to get out of the boat. And today is that day for many of them here. Lord, God, move across this room. If there be any lost right now, speak to their heart, God, and show them their need for You. God, if there be any Christians here whom You're calling out to Your service in any way, shape, or form, but their boat is hindering them, God, today, give them the courage to step out of the boat. Lord, move all across this room in Jesus' name. I want to ask You to stand to Your feet this morning. We're going to sing this song. I'm not going to ask You to raise Your hand people already coming to the altar. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning if you're lost. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning if you need to get out of your boat. You have heard the Word of God, and if you need to respond, these altars are open. The rest of you, sing this song and worship the Lord. These altars are open. Amen.